Welcome back, everyone, you beautiful, beautiful people out there. Welcome back to the Break the Bell podcast. Um, hope you all are having a really good week out there because um, it's been kind of a hell of a week for us, at least the last couple days. Um, as you may or may not notice, I'm sure by now you've noticed, um, I am without co-host. Bill, for one reason or another, cannot make it here, and there's one big reason he couldn't make it here. Um, we people in the Midwest, mostly in the Iowa area, which is where we're from, experienced what was basically, hang on, let me get this music out of here, was basically a, uh, a hurricane in the Midwest which um, I had never experienced before, and I don't think too many people in the Midwest have. So what they're calling this this storm system is a derecho, and what the interwebs call a derecho, or define a derecho as, is it's a widespread, long-lived, straight-line windstorm that is associated with a fast-moving group of severe thunderstorms known as mesoscale uh, convection system. Derechos can cause hurricane-force winds, no shit, Tornadoes, heavy rains, and flash floods. So, what we experienced yesterday was exactly that. Um, and it came out of nowhere because the weathermen were saying that we were going to get like scattered thunderstorms lasting a couple hours. And this was not just scattered thunderstorms. What this was, was I think the reports were saying between 100 and 120 mile winds. And this lasted, this wasn't like wind gusts. This was like pure 100 mile an hour winds sustained for like, it was like 45 minutes to an hour. And if um, you've ever experienced like a tornado or something like that um, with high winds that, that just blow through for five minutes and are gone, five to 10 minutes, a lot of destruction can happen in that five to 10 minutes. So you can imagine what would happen 100 mile an hour winds for an hour, an hour straight. So uh, there's a lot of like mature trees in the neighborhood and at least 50 to 60% of the trees, I would say, um, either are no longer standing or they receive considerable damage where like half the tree is gone. My backyard right out this window behind me, uh, there is a very large tree that half of it is now laying across three yards because um, the wind blew it a complete 180 degree direction from the way it was pointing. So um, that took out a lot of fence. Fortunately, it didn't fall on my neighbor's house. Our house didn't get damaged, but a lot of houses did get trees falling on them. Um, I know Bill's house took some damage. Uh, I'd say all of the electricity throughout the city was gone. Ours just was turned back on probably two hours ago, and so we're the lucky ones. So we were intending to record the intro for this yes last night, and then we were also going to. We had an interview that, fortunately, we had an interview on Thursday with Tracy Klein. She's an ex executive director of True Justice International, which is an organization that um, helps to uh, fight against human trafficking and it helps to, um, it helps the, the victims or, or the, the survivors of human trafficking once they get out and puts them up in housing and stuff like that. So, uh, we already recorded that fortunately. So we have content for you. We have a show for you. 
But we were going to record more and give our take on the interview and how that went and maybe also talk about some current events and other things going on in the world. But that's just not going to happen this week. So, like I said, we do have this interview. It is going to be a bit of a shorter episode, but we are not going to let you down. This interview went fantastic. Um, Bill couldn't make it for this, but he was there for the interview. So you will get to see his lovely, shiny face for for most of this episode. So I... I do think you are going to enjoy this. And the reason why um, I I reached out and found this guest was because a lot of us, if not all of the people listening here, are find a lot of interest in like the, the Jeffrey Epstein trial, Jeffrey Epstein killing himself, the sex ring, the elite sex rings, the pedophile rings, Delane Maxwell being arrested, all this stuff is coming up. And now within the last week we have the hashtag save the children which was banned on Facebook, so there's a lot of stuff going on around that, a lot of talk going on. But what a lot of people I, I don't think realize is there is so much going on in just your own neighborhood, your own backyard. There's there's trafficking going on all around you. I guarantee every person here has at least at one point come in contact with a, uh, with a trafficking victim or a trafficking survivor of some sort and not even realized it because they're looking for the the big stories like um hundred kids being uh saved from a trafficking ring or the white van pulling up and, and snatching kids off the streets and that's just not typically what's going on with with human trafficking and so uh, i wanted to have somebody on an expert on to educate us on on human trafficking and let us know that what we can do what we can look out for and how we can um make a difference at our level because um, if we can't make a difference, then what are we even doing? And when it comes to things like the elite pedophile rings, yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, we can um, spread it all around the internet, but we can't personally do that much about it to to stop it or to to have a hand in um, bringing anything down. But we can work towards uh, helping people at our level, at our local levels. And so that's what I wanted to get Tracy on for. Originally, we had another guest on who was a trafficking survivor. She was supposed to be coming on, but um, some scheduling conflicts came up last minute, so she wasn't able to join us. We are going to hopefully get her on soon in the future, but we did, were able to get Tracy on, and man, the interview went great. It actually was intended to only go an hour, but we ended up going nearly an hour and a half because there was just so much good content there, so I think you're going to enjoy this. We didn't do this for the shock value. We didn't do this to get uh, uh, the big stories and and like all the the gory details and stuff. Like I said, we specifically did this um, to get the education from her to to get kind of her side and and what her organization's doing and how we can uh, support her her organization or support local organizations around us. So I think you're gonna enjoy it. Um, I'm just gonna go ahead and kick it off. Like I said, this episode is a bit shorter, but it is. Not going to disappoint you, I don't think. Uh, definitely make sure, before I forget, make sure you do check us out on our social media because that's how um, we can keep this thing going, keep this thing going big. Um, share us around. You can find us on Facebook.com slash BreakTheBell, Twitter at BreakTheBellPod, or Instagram at BreakTheBellPod. And um, I had mentioned on our bonus content earlier this week that uh, we are going to try to branch out onto other streaming services like Twitch or anything like that. So if you have any suggestions, reach out to us. Um, we are kind of new to the streaming world. Uh, typically, we 
I mean, we don't typically live stream, but um, it's something that we are looking looking to in the future possibly doing. So uh, if you have any suggestions or any any advice on live streaming, hit us up. Otherwise, we're just going to get right into this intro, and then we're going to get into our interview with Tracy Klein. So I really hope you enjoy. What did you say? You talking to me? What, what the heck are you talking about? What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What did he say? What did he say? Are you talking to me? Well, maybe he was talking to me. What did you say? Talk to me. What in heaven's name are you talking about? Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, baby. Did you just say? What did you say? You listen to me. Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What the hell are you talking about? Who are you talking to? All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. And uh, we got a, a really special guest tonight. Um, we were supposed to get a, two guests on tonight, but one of them had uh, an, a, another prior engagement come up, something, a conflict of interest. So we did get um, one of our guests. She is uh, the executive director of True Justice International, which is a ministry organization with tar targeted initiatives that address injustices that fuel human trafficking. And um, the reason why we wanted to have her on is because um, in, in recent weeks, we've seen a, a big uptick in interest in child and human trafficking due to, like, say, the arrest of Ghislaine Maxwell. And um, also this week, we've noticed a big trend in the hashtag Save the Children that's going around and um, mm -hmm. the su subsequent... Uh, censoring by Facebook of that hashtag for whatever reason. So there seems to be a, a lot of interest in human trafficking. But the problem is um, I see that people have this this big interest in, like, say, uh, the elite pedophile rings or or the, the deep, dark, secret uh, trafficking rings. But um, what they don't realize is this stuff's going on in their own backyard, in their own communities, in their own neighborhoods, and they don't even realize it. And um, there's stuff we could be doing to to fight against that, and um, that's why I have uh, Tracy Klein on here because that's exactly what her organization is doing. And so, um, Tracy, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here, Craig. It is great to have you. Um, this is my co-host Bill. I uh, haven't introduced you yet because yep. we got kind of talking. But right. um, hey, Tracy. Hey, Bill. <laughs> so, Tracy. Um, you are based out of Jacksonville, North Carolina. Is that correct? Yep. We have an outreach center in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And in New Bern, North Carolina, we have a safe house, rest, what we call it a restoration home, as well as another outreach center. Okay. Uh, how long have you guys, how long have you been in Jacksonville? Because I, the um, contact that got me hooked up with uh, you guys uh, she was from, I yeah. met up with her in Jacksonville when I was in the military. Mm -hmm. So I, I had never heard of this organization when I lived there, which would have been like five years ago, six years ago. 
Yeah. So at that time we were mostly just, well, not mostly, we were the off, we had our offices in New Bern, but not in Jacksonville. We've been doing outreach and training. I've done some training on base. So with the Marines and sailors, um, we work with law enforcement, but we just opened our outreach center in April of 2019. Okay. And can you just like, uh, kind of give us a rundown? I know you got like your five targeted initiatives of your organization. Can you just, um, kind of give us a brief overview of what you got, what it is you guys do and, um, how you do it? So I think even though we have five targeted initiatives, we really focus on two main initiatives and that is our grace projects, as well as will force the grace project is our initiative that is really focused on direct services, um, reaching, raising up and restoring survivors of human trafficking. So that includes the safe house, that includes the outreach centers and the work that we do directly with survivors. Um, so we are, for instance, our safe house is a up to a two year program. It's completely free for the survivors. And you know, and one of the things that we find, so when you're talking about human trafficking, I know we'll get more into this, but um, helping the girls get a job and just getting a place to stay is great um, and helpful, but there's so much more that goes into their recovery and their healing because someone who's been trafficked, you know, the average age of exploitation is 12 to 14. Oh, That's average, yeah. right? We know that that means there are some older, but then there are some that are much younger. Right. Um, so it takes... It takes a lot more than just a job and a place to stay to help these girls become stable, um, to recover from the trauma they've experienced. So with the Grace mm -hmm. Projects, we work to help girls with not just financial resources, um, but we do counseling, case management. Um, a lot of the girls that come to us have an addiction issue, understandably, right? Mm -hmm. um, when you've experienced a lot of trauma, there is, you know, Addiction is a way to escape that. Um, other girls, their trafficking comes through um, the addiction and then the drug dealer, and we'll get into that as well. So mm -hmm. we also pay for our girls to go up to three months to a rehabilitation for a drug rehabilitation before they come to the safe house as well. Um, so the Grace Project really focuses heavily on just supporting the survivors and helping them go from you know, just surviving to thriving. Our other main focus is education. Um, and that is through Willforce is one of them. That's our education with the youth. Because as I mentioned earlier, the average age of exploitation is 12 to 14. Mm -hmm. So we're never going to end demand, right? That's not going right. to happen. I mean, this is sex, right? Can I say that? Mm -hmm. Am I allowed to yeah, say that? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So I may say some things that, Anyway, is that, I'm just going to put a little, it, it, it's an open forum. So feel free. Yeah. Yeah. We say, I, I guarantee you, we said worse than what you have to say. So. Okay. okay. Well, I haven't started, I haven't got far into it yet. So you might. <laughs> oh, no, it, whatever, as much as you want to uh, reveal or, or, or share like yeah. as much detail, like we're not here for the, the shock factor of it. That's not why we're here. Like I said, we're here for the education of it, but obviously obviously some of the things need to be you can't it's a hard subject yeah you can't candy coat yeah. or sugarcoat some of this stuff so by all means no, feel free to talk as openly as you want with us yeah okay i will do that thank you yep. so with will force 
and I'm going to just do what I do to a lot of people. Have, have you guys heard of William Wilberforce? Mm -mm. No. Okay. So William Wilberforce was the great abolitionist who helped end the Atlantic slave trade. Okay. Um, right now, there are more people today entrapped in slavery than there were back during the Atlantic slave trade. So mm -hmm. people think we abolished slavery, right? Yep. Um, however, unfortunately, that is not the case. And um, so William Wilberforce was a great man who helped end the Atlantic slave trade. And our initiative, Wilberforce, is named after him. So we do a lot of education in the school systems. We work with middle schools and high school students. In North Carolina, they passed three years ago now, State Bill 279, which states that all health education classes must have human trafficking education oh, okay. a component. So that was our in to the school systems and just you know helping the teachers and the schools be compliant with that request. And yeah. you know it's crazy because we've actually had students come forward during our presentations, well, after our presentations and say, I think this what's been has what is what has been happening to me by my quote unquote boyfriend. Oh, wow. um, oh no. Um, and I'll get more into that as well. But so Will Force is where we we focus a lot because we have in order to end this, which we'll never end it, but we must educate, right? Especially because children are the prime targets. Um, pornography, and I don't know if I if you guys are good with me talking about pornography, but yeah, even definitely. pornography, there's obviously we're talking about the pedophilia thing. That's been going on forever. Mm -hmm. um, just a quick background. I, as a child, my adopted father used me um, in child pornography. Oh, wow. So, and, and more. And so um, it's been happening a long time. I'm older than you guys. So that was before the internet was as fast as it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> and we have to educate because in order to prevent a child from, you know, we're not going to stop people who have this affinity towards sex and children but mm -hmm. if we can educate the children on what how to protect themselves what things look like um then we might do a little bit more as far as preventing them from being exploited right um the other thing that we do is we do a lot of um with that particular area is we focus a lot of education as i mentioned earlier with law enforcement um child protective service agencies foster agencies um hospital workers, um, doctor's office, because most tra um, trafficking victims or survivors have come in contact with these people multiple occasions. Oh, wow. They've had opportunities to have the right questions asked, and then it didn't happen. And so we really want to fo we focus a lot of energy on educating these particular groups of people, as well as the military. And, and I hate to say it, but because my entire family has been military, you know, mm. but human trafficking is, it's a game of numbers, right? It's a business, mm -hmm. it's a sales. And so mm. North Carolina is ranked number 10 in reported cases of human trafficking. Oh, wow. And I, you know, you lived in Jacksonville, you're thinking, wow, there's like so many churches and it's right. Bible Belt and high. Yep. Um, of course we have I-95, Interstate 40, um, much like Iowa, Iowa has some major interstates going through it as well. Right. Another thing that Iowa has in common with North Carolina is a lot of agriculture. Right. So when you have these um, areas, there are the migrant workers, and they're not just trafficked 
labor trafficked, but they're also trafficked. Um, there's also sex trafficking going within the migrant camps. Oh, wow. um, so those were kind of factors. And then for us in North Carolina, we have several military bases, right? There's Fort Bragg, mm -hmm. there's Camp Lejeune, we've got Cherry Point. Mm -hmm. um, so any, you know, as a businessman, as a salesman, if I am selling sex, where am I going to go? It would only make base. sense that I'm going to go where there's a larger concentration of buyers. Not mm -hmm. that everybody in the military is a buyer. That's not what I'm saying, but no, it's just but, common but, sense. Uh, a lot of them might be dealing with things that they, they don't even realize that would be trafficked individuals. Right. Like, like you were saying, um, or like we were saying earlier, like it's not, not necessarily what you think of um, sex slaves that they're intentionally hiring, but I, I guarantee you there's mil plenty of military people out there hiring prostitutes and right. going oh, to strip yeah. clubs and all the time. Absolutely. I know for a fact that it happens or going to the massage parlors. There's all kinds of massage parlors right. out there. Yeah, I remember my dad was uh, stationed at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and that, there was a list of places not to go to, and a number of them were the massage parlors mm -hmm. right around there. Oh, yeah. Those lists don't mean anything. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't think they did. <laughs> no. But it's true. I mean, they have those lists, and, and um, they're not supposed to go there, but they do. Right, um, of course. And outside of every military base, you know, what do you see? Do you see... Right. Strip clubs. Strip yep. clubs, massage and not, parlors. And not every strip club, not every girl that's in a strip club is being trafficked, mm -hmm. but it is a an environment where you are, well, number one, traffickers will bring their girls there to break down their inhibitions. Oh, well. Um, and in addition to that, like I've, I wish I could have, I should have had this video that to show you, but it, oftentimes what will happen is, and this is, I got this from an actual, well, one from somebody I knew personally, and another one is a strip club owner talking about how he did this. But he would get the girls and tell them, hey, it's amateur night, right? Oh, so yeah. if I need, and these girls were not dancers at the time, they were, you know, just girls that were cocktail waitresses. Mm -hmm. So I need someone to fill in, we're short staffed, can you, can you do it? And so he might, they might talk somebody into doing it and then they see the kind of money they make and they start dancing. And then, you know, maybe the girl has now has a new car payment or mm. maybe she's going to college or, you know, has a new house payment. And then the managers will say, okay, well, I've got her now. So then they go and they tell them, look, I hate to do this, but, you know, I, I, I can't, we can't keep you on anymore. We don't have enough, you know, business to slow or whatever. You know, what is a girl going to do at that point? She's right. been making, you know, hundreds of dollars a night. How is she going to support herself then? Mm -hmm. Well, that at that next point, step. then, yeah, at that point, you have a trafficker or you have a strip club manager or owner or whomever saying, hey, I know a way you can make some money, you know, on the side then to make to compensate for what you've lost. And that's how that's one way they do that. And when I tell you that doesn't happen everywhere and it doesn't happen to everybody, but mm -hmm. I personally know someone that's happened to and I actually have um a video of a man talking about that. So a strip club manager. Well, so, if you, if um, you come, if you still have that video and you want to send it to us, we can include it at the end of the show or at the beginning or something. I if you, if you want that. to still add that, yes. that would be perfect. Yeah. Tracy, are, are girls, yeah. are they typically, are they referred to you by another organization or how do they find you? 
Yeah, so most of our girls do come to us through other organizations or law enforcement. So we work very closely, um, Onslow County Sheriff's Department, JPD, um, lots of different ways. They're, we're part of a national um, sheltered alliance, which has um, you know other organizations like ours throughout the United States. So we get referrals from them, okay. as well as other organizations like Salvation Army, domestic violence shelters. Um, you know, I just sometimes personal, you know, people, individuals will contact me. Um, and then also sometimes it's word of mouth um, and it's in the jails as well. So we have a partnership with another organization that was going into the jails in Wayne County. And now we are going to be going in. We've gotten permission from the sheriff here in Jacksonville to go into the jails and do an outreach in the jails. And, you know, a lot of the girls, unfortunately, they're the ones getting arrested, right, for solicitation. Right. versus the buyer or the trafficker. So we get our, we get referrals from a, a myriad of different ways. Um, back to, so uh, back to like the strip clubs and stuff like that. Um, so like you said, they, after they're laid off or, or whatever you call it. Um, and then, so you're saying that a lot of time, is the the managers of the club or is it somebody else like outside like disconnected that's coming in and um taking advantage of these girls or um is it a mixture of both i think it's both um the video that i'm going to send you guys is actually a manager Mm -hmm. um and in the case of the friend of mine it was actually a manager Okay. But it could be anybody. I mean, pimps right. are regular customers at strip clubs. Sure. Um, they a lot of times they'll pay the security guards and the management off, um, so they can bring the girls in there, and so they can also recruit more girls there. There's probably um, a relationship between the pimp and and the manager. If absolutely. if the manager himself isn't isn't part of it, then there's possibly that relationship there. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's horrible. And you know, sometimes I, you know. One one of the talks that I do when I talk to guys, you know, I say, you know, who here goes to the strip clubs for the overpriced drinks, right? Mm, right. And nobody's not going there for that. Right. Yeah. So, um, it's just a sexually toxic environment and attitudes. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, in the bathroom, things are happening in the VIP room or, you know, the lap dance room. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes they make arrangements to go to hotels or even the buyer's homes. So. Wow. So how did you get involved in this kind of work? This, is this something you've been doing for a while or, um, or, I mean, was this like, uh, your direction in life or was did you all of a sudden change courses? Did you feel called to it? Uh, yeah, I definitely felt called to it. However, I didn't start off as this. Um, but due to my childhood and what I experienced, I've always, I always had a desire to support, to support women. And in fact, when I was, in my young early 20s I wanted to open a nonprofit and then had a vision for it and everything and then life derails us a little bit oh always and I kind of went through a dark time and then got out of it and I went to school for to be a counselor actually and I was working in corporate America and then one day I guess it was 2014 I heard um, our founder at the time she's since stepped down from the organization a couple of years ago, but I heard her speak at a conference, a women's conference, and I just felt the tug on my mm-hmm. heart. And then the next year at the same women's conference, she was there. And I knew then that I had to get involved. Right. So 
So how many years have you been involved now then? Almost six years. Okay. So, and did you start at the, the New Bern one or did you? I did. Yeah. Okay. So mm -hmm. I started in New Bern. At that time, we didn't even have the safe house yet. We were just mm -hmm. doing education awareness and we actually supported a um, safe house in Tegucigalpa, Honduras at the time. Mm -hmm. And we felt led, we had a few girls that we helped locally at the time, um, but we felt led to open the safe house. And so that's when we began preparations for that. And the Lord blessed us. We, um, you know, we, it's, it's crazy how he works, but we put four different offers on three different houses and they were all denied. Oh. And we're like, why? How is this? Like, we know that we're called to open this. This is such a huge need. Right. Mm -hmm. And then. A couple of days later, after our last offer, we got a call from another organization that was a nonprofit. Um, uh oh. Okay, sorry. Oh, um, that was another nonprofit, and um, he said, "Hey, we are a nonprofit, and we're closing our doors, and we can't sell the business, so or the house. So we'd like to gift it to you as long as the church who had bequeathed it to them approved." Oh wow! And yeah, so there we were. We were given our house, and it has it was such a blessing, and we are so blessed. So getting turned down by two offers was actually a blessing in disguise because you didn't know what was on the way beside otherwise. Yeah, it was actually four houses, three houses, oh, okay. and four offers that we put in. Four wow. offers. We're like, <laughs> just turn <laughs> <Thank> down. <laughs> then all of a sudden, somebody just drops one in your lap for free. That, that's yeah. amazing. Yes, but you know, like I think. I know one thing you talked about, I don't remember if it was before the show started or not, but you were talking about um, people's perception, right? And everybody's right. looking at, you know, like when I say, what, what is human trafficking to you? Oftentimes people say the movie Taken, right? Right. Um, and th or, you know, where people bring people in from the, another country, but the U.S. is the number one buying country. Mm, okay. And then, um, you know, here... It, you know, human trafficking is a $150 billion industry. That's so, just here in the United States or worldwide? Actually, that's worldwide. Um, but to kind of put that in perspective, are you guys, you guys any uh, sports fans? Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I like to put it in perspective, and then I use the 2017 numbers, um, but the NFL was $8.16 billion. And the... Um, Baseball was 10 billion, NBA is 7.4 billion, hockey was 4.86 billion, and NASCAR was 155 million. That's you need the, to take all of that, times it by five before you get to 150 billion. <laughs> so that's that's the annual amount that each one of those those makes yeah. per year. And that is yeah. insane. So yeah. all well, of those combined times five equals the sex trafficking industry. Close to, close to not quite, but yeah. <laughs> wow. That is, yeah. yeah, that's, those are hard numbers to comprehend, but when you put it in perspective like that, that is just unbelievable to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or you can think of Disney, right? So mm -hmm. Disney, you know, who hasn't heard of Disney, who hasn't bought anything Disney related, watched a Disney movie or anything, even worldwide, right? Mm -hmm. Worldwide, Disney in 2018 netted, sorry, Mike, netted $59.43 billion. Okay. So like th three times more than Disney. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So, and you and you mentioned before, um, you, you're saying that's worldwide numbers is the 150 billion, but you, but you said um, the U.S. is the primary customer or yeah. buyers of it. Biggest buyer. Yeah, we are. And I don't have the actual breakdown of how much it nets in just the U.S., but we right. are. The U.S. is the number one buyer. You know, there's in in the U.S. at any given moment, there's about 30,000 children that are trapped, you know, that are being trafficked or exploited. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, it is worldwide and, of course, U.S. as well. It's the fastest growing crime and it's second only to drugs. And if you think about it, I mean, you can sell a bag of weed one time, mm-hmm. right. but how many times can you sell another individual? Wow. That's, that's hard to hear, but yeah, that, that makes a, a lot of sense. Um, and I know you yeah. mentioned here in Iowa that the, the crossroads, I guess, of um, the interstates 80 and 35. And I've, I've heard that here, we are a pretty big um intersection for a lot of trafficking i don't i don't know any of the the um, numbers or anything like that but i have heard that so um i i just don't i don't think people understand that like a small little rural state like iowa or or something like north carolina can really have that much effect from human trafficking that that they actually that they actually would from having like a, a just just the fact that they have the two major interstates crossing through it Mm-hmm. is is huge so um could you talk a little bit um to people like who who wouldn't expect something like this to be in their neighborhoods or or like what they should be oh, looking yeah. for or anything do like you that? find do you find and this goes along with craig's question do you find that um the the people that are taken are they or groomed into well, this is it primarily online or is it primarily like physically like- so, it is, so a lot of it is online now you know and if you think about it right we have social media which we did not have you know mm-hmm. i don't know however many years ago we it just wasn't that big and now so we have instagram we have um TikTok you know there's now. snapchat there's facebook well the kids aren't on facebook because you know mom and dad oh, are yeah, down yeah. of course we right. can be there. but you know these are big ways and even you know when we talk about um Instagram, even if your child's site is, is private, they can get a direct message from somebody that's not, um, that they don't know. In fact, I had, we had a guy who direct messaged one of our, one of my coworkers daughters on Instagram. He's like, you're beautiful. You could, you know, I could, you could really make some money. I, I could, you know, your face, your body, whatever you can make at least $400 a week. How how old was this girl? She was 15. Holy crap. <laughs> she's like, oh, creep. You don't, clearly you don't know who my mom is and what she does. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, yeah, I, I didn't, wasn't aware that, um, if they weren't like directly friends on Instagram or something like that, I would, I guess on oh, Facebook, yeah. on Facebook, I realized it, but I mean, I'm, I'm a Facebook user primarily, but I didn't realize on some of these other apps that, uh, uh, you could connect or reach out to connect to somebody who had a private account like that. Right. You sure can. It's scary. Um, yeah, it's really scary. So, uh, so what do you, you recommend? I'm sorry. What, what do you recommend for, um, uh, social media and stuff like that for, for like teenagers? Because I know teenagers, you you can't just ban completely. I have a 12 year old right now 
who is asking for Instagram and is asking for TikTok and stuff like that. And it's like, how do you protect them from that? Yeah, that's a good one. So that's when you make sure they have seen come to a talk that we do about social media and uh, understanding human trafficking and addressing vulnerabilities. And, you know, one thing is people, so I'm going to just back up really quick. That's fine. The number one traffickers are family members or friends of family. Mm. Number two is what they call quote unquote boyfriend. Mm -hmm. So family members, friends of family, vote boyfriend. Only 9% of traffickers are strangers. Wow. 90%. Oh, that's scary. But what happens when we talk? Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, so it's not just like the van parked outside that you got to worry about mostly. It's, um, I mean, obviously you have to worry about that, but the majority of the time, 91% of the time, it's, it's people that you actually know that, or that, that you're familiar with. Right. So, you know, we really have to work on healthy relationships. Um, and, reinforcing the ability for children to talk to us no matter mm-hmm. what has gone on um, we don't want them to feel shame right because that's mm-hmm. a, a big area that will prevent kids from talking to us because it's really easy to to get caught up in something and you know let's say a guy you know just say I'm a child right and I this guy starts talking to me on Instagram or Facebook or whatever and he you know, he's grooming me. He's watching to see my posts, realizes the type of music I like, that I'm into soccer and all of this. And then, you know, just starts chatting with me, maybe, you know, through a mutual friend that we have in common somehow. And, you know, one thing that the kids will tell us is. Lost her. We lost her. Um, we lost you for a sec. You, you got muted. And becomes a friend. Can you hear me? Yeah, you got muted for a sec. So if you could repeat that last sentence, um, that'd be great. Um, Yeah, we ask them like how long before somebody that you don't know becomes your friend? Mm -hmm. You know, somebody that reaches out on social media. The longest time frame was two weeks. The shortest Mm -hmm. is like a couple hours. Oh, wow. So it's not strangers. And the thing is that, you know, they quickly can become what we consider a boyfriend, um, whether they're older or younger. I mean, they're in the case of the girls the girl that came forward that I told you about, mm-hmm. um, she was being, she was 15. She was being trafficked by a 23 year old former Marine. And he was actually trafficking two other girls. One was 14 and the other was 15. Wow. That's insane. Um, and you just, you know, they tell you what you want to hear. They tell you you're beautiful, mm-hmm. that you've got mad soccer skills, whatever, you know, and they take the time. It's not, it's not something that happens overnight. If you think about it, if, if, you know, Craig, if you're going to make me, you know, a thousand dollars a night, or let's just say $15,000 a week, if I can put in two or three months time, the payoff is worth it, right? That's a great return on my investment. Yeah. So, so they take their time. And so to tell your kids, we just have to educate them, let them know the vulnerabilities and help them understand what human trafficking is, that it comes in all, it's not just a person being taken. It's mm-hmm. not just strangers. While that's important, um, there are a lot of other things, and there are a lot of signs that you, think you can look for. Um, but it's really being aware, um, and yeah. it's really scary. There are things that you can put on your phones. There's um, Disney Circle, Covenant Eyes, Web Canine. These are all great tools to help you block and filter content. Mm-hmm. Um, what exactly do would, those do? 
I each mean, one that, does something different. Yeah, each one does something different, but they will block the different sites that you can go on. Mm-hmm. Um, they will um, prevent, um, like where you can see what sites the kids, what your children are going on. So there's a lot of different things that they can do and you can use them for the whole family, which is a very good thing to do, especially because kids are playing Minecraft. I know one lady whose son was nine years old playing Minecraft with somebody else online and he got a solicitation. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. 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 You, you see the little side chats. My kids don't anymore, but they used to play Minecraft and they do like Roblox and stuff like that, which is like more recent than Minecraft. Yeah. But yeah, you can pretty much chat with everyone. And like my daughter would be on one of those things and she would just be like talking to people. And I'm like, are you playing a game? She's like, yeah, I'm just talking to people. I was like, no, no, you're not going to just sit there and talk to strangers on here. That That's that's not what this is yeah. for. I was like, I'll, I'll take yeah. it away if I see that. And boys are really, you know, I, I do talk a lot about girls, but boys are susceptible as well. And, you know, and that's one way that it happens with boys is in that video chat room when they're playing Call of Duty with somebody, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's that little bit older guy in that room and that they're playing with. And then, you know, they all develop, he hears the conversations, you know, they're talking to each other. Yeah. I'm so pissed at my mom. You know, she's mm-hmm. frustrated me, my dad, whatever. And then, Hey, why don't we all get together at my house and do like a marathon or something? I don't know. I'm making that word up. Right. No, <laughs> no, I get it. I'm not a gamer. So <laughs> Bill might know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking movies, marathon, but yeah, that's not gaming. But anyhow, we'll go with that. It's a thing. It's a thing. We'll, we'll let yeah, you have it. <laughs> I appreciate that. But so then the, these kids might go over there and then, you know, they, this person is a little bit older and they just develop this friendship with them and they do nice things for them. And so mm-hmm. then, you know, maybe they are grooming them and buying things, giving them games or whatever. And then they go over there another time and it's like, you know, something happens and mm-hmm. they feel guilty they feel ashamed they don't know how Mm -hmm. to respond um they don't know that they can talk to mom and dad and that's how stuff starts right yeah and that's um like you're saying if uh, a kid doesn't already doesn't feel like they can communicate just normally with their parents i mean who who do they go to if they can't talk to their parents when stuff like that's happening and if they're being groomed slowly from a very young age, they might not even realize that that's not normal and, and not mm-hmm. even know if, if you're not communicating with your kids and telling them, Hey, this isn't, this isn't something you should be talking to people about, or this isn't, isn't normal. Um, being groomed, they're being taught that this stuff is normal. And like, I've, I've ran into kids. Um, and just some of the things that come out of their mouth, it's just like, like what's going on at home that, that something like that could possibly come out of like a six-year-old's mouth or, or, or something like that. So I think the scariest part, and you probably see this a lot, Tracy, is that they end up trusting that person more than they trust their parents. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it almost becomes like, you know, they feel like they need to be around that person. Is it really hard to, to keep that person from going back to the solicitor or the, you know, the pimp or whatever? Unfortunately, it really is, especially, you know, if it started at a young age and then even though it may not be the same um, trafficker, you know, by the time they're in their 20s, it is, it's very hard. Um, Do you see like the trauma bonding, there's, you know, trauma bonding is a very real thing, right? Right. That's what I was going to ask. Do you see like almost like Stockholm syndrome where, where they're, they're basically defending their. 
Yeah, unfortunately, I have one girl right now who she even came to our house, the restoration home, and then the third, fourth day she was there, she snuck the phone and called him. Mm-hmm. And he was her boyfriend, quote unquote, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he also trafficked her and she was aware of that. She knew what he did to her. Um, but this had been going on for five years. She'd known him for 20. Wow. And she he ended up convincing her to leave. Um, you know, it's just, it's so sad it, and it breaks my heart, but it's a very real thing. Yeah. Well, and that's all you, you've ever known. It's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like yeah. a drug addict. I would think right. it, it's easy to fall back into that, especially, um, right. when it comes back, introduced back into your life, like a phone call, a little phone call. It, it's yeah. just like holding drugs in front of a drug addict. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not probably not something, a lifestyle that's, easy to pull away from or, or, um, change. And especially if they're being promised, like, like you were saying, like thousands of dollars or, or a better life and stuff, maybe that's all they, they can see, even though you guys are like trying to show them, look, um, there's better for you out there. Um, or if that's, I mean, that's the only way they know how to get affection. Right. That too. And that's a big thing too. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many things that, that play into it. Um, and it's really sad, but it's hard for them to leave. Um, and then we have, you know, in the instance with, with kids, you know, where they are looking at their online friendships as very real oh, and yeah. they have a hard time differentiating between real friendships and online friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they're looking for friendship and acceptance, right? And so if they're getting that from somebody online, you know, which can take a matter of minutes and we all have, I'm so sorry. We all have vulnerabilities. We all have vulnerabilities and you know, who doesn't fight with their parents, right? Mm -hmm. You know, even still, I mean, who doesn't get insecure, right? And so all of these things play into it and make it worse. Right. Well, if you got like a teenager Mm -hmm. or something, what, I mean, teenagers think, they're uh, a fight with their parents is like the end of the world. And then you got somebody on the other side saying, Oh, don't listen to them. Everything's going to be okay. If you come do this Mm -hmm. or that. And, you know, kind of like filling that gap that they think, even, even if they're in a healthy relationship with their parents, a teenager sees every parent as, uh, you know, my parents suck. My parents hate me. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you got somebody on the other end saying, Hey, um, don't listen to that. Come do this instead. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, Mm -hmm. teenage undeveloped brain just goes wherever it wants to and makes logic out of whatever they want. My, uh, one of my friend's Mm -hmm. kids played Fortnite and there is a guy who was playing with them. They did a couple missions together and he's like, Hey, you know, um, that's a really cool gun. Can I borrow it? And I don't know how Fortnite works, but I guess he lent him the gun and then the guy just basically bailed on him. Yeah. Just took his weapons and Mm -hmm. took off. And he's, and he was asking my friend, he's like, you know, I thought we were friends. Why would he Mm -hmm. do that? You know? And it's like, yeah, people do what they want for their own selfishness, whether it's it's for, it's virtual. Like you said, it's not, it's not really a friendship like what we know, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just a different mindset for the younger generation where it's like, no, this is my friend, you know? And it, you get get somebody like um like you were saying just little by little just introducing into conversation here and there um mm-hmm. it wouldn't take a lot for a susceptible kid to just like give into it or or especially kids that aren't being uh communicated with from their parents right 
And the thing is, it's, we need to keep in mind too, is while those children are more vulnerable, there are teenagers and children that are, have great relationships and they're still, right. they can still fall into it. I have a, I know a girl, well, I met her father who was a pastor um, and she had a great relationship with her family, you know, very loving, great. He was a, a, a pastor of a church and um, she had a boyfriend. She was a, I think she was either a junior or a senior, but she was not 18. Um, I think she was 17 and he was in college, went off to college or maybe he was already in college and he convinced her to send a selfie. Well, first of all, when you're under 18, if you send a selfie that, you know, any nudity, whatever, that's distributing child pornography. Right. And even under 18, you can go to jail. Mm -hmm. um, but he took that picture and he held it over her head. And mm. he said, look, if you don't do what I want you to do, you're going, I'm going to, you know, put this on social media. You're going to be shamed, your father, his congregation, all of this. Wow. It didn't take, it only took a few weeks and he was trafficking her just because she sent him a selfie. Wow. How uh, far into it did she get before she got help? Did she fall pretty hard? About three or four months. She finally, um, after about three or four months, you know, got the nerve up to talk to her parents oh. or, or uh, maybe one of her parents' friends and it ended. Um, but this is a girl who had healthy relationships, right? Mm -hmm. So healthy lines of communication and it still, it still happened to yeah, her. Right. And she, so, probably didn't realize what was even happening until it was way too too late had no idea until you know he convinced her to send a selfie so she sent him a topless selfie mm -hmm. and that's what it, that's all it took so do you work a lot mm -hmm. with parents in these situations like where um or is it mostly working with the the victim themselves how like how many times so, do you do the parents come to you yeah. I and mean, we have had parents that have come to us. We try to do a lot of education with parents, you know, in the churches and we do like community awareness events so that we can help them in advance. Um, but we do, we have had people come to us afterwards. Many actually, I have a friend of mine whose stepdaughter um, has a porn addiction at 11 years old. Oh. Yeah. And um, so, you know, she's come to me to ask, you know, for help on that. Um, and then when I tell you a porn addiction, I'm talking, this was hardcore, you know, rape is good type stuff. She brought me her cell phone and I was just, wow. you know, just makes you wonder who's introducing this to this 11 year old, because it's not something an 11 year old just like gets right. into on their own. Like a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, again, I go back to social media because social media is also breeds all of that, right? Right. Um, you know, we're the in the digital age. Um, you know, attention spans are getting shorter. Um, you know, self-soothing is going down. People, it reduces self-soothing. I mean, our interpersonal interactions are going down. And so we learn from the things we're watching. You're watching TikToks. Some of the TikToks are mm -hmm. hysterical. I love them. They're funny as heck. Mm -hmm. But then others are like, yikes, you know? Um, and it doesn't take much on the TikTok thing. Like my kids have have had it and they can be on something completely appropriate and then just swipe to the next one. And all of a sudden it's like, there's yeah right into something completely inappropriate. It's like, what are you looking for? And they're like, oh, I, I just flipped to the next video and this was the next one. And mm -hmm. it, it, it's so easy for them 
so much easy for easier for younger kids to stumble across that stuff mm-hmm. today than it ever was when we were kids. Oh yeah. Um, and you can't unsee that, right? No, right? And if you've got kids that are five years old, six years old, seven years old, and 11, 12, whatever, watching TikTok because it's funny and there's some funny ones on there, then they see this. They mm-hmm. can't unsee that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even, you know, that so many different things are happening, but, you know, a lot of the content is really not appropriate for anybody under 16 on TikTok. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And in those videos, they don't go away. Right. So, um, and with Instagram, we talked about that. Um, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but there's people can also have a second account on that. It's called Finsta. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And it's basically where they have a second account. It's usually a secret account on their Instagram account. And, um, you know, so mom and dad don't know anything about that one. Um, it's like a covert account. Yeah. And then there's this app it's called, it's like a calculator. That, that people are using, and I say people, kids, even adults hiding things from, you know, spouses, but it looks like a calculator and until you push in the secret passcode. Oh, and then wow. inside of that, you can store pictures, videos, passwords, whatever you want. There's even a private browser in there. Oh, wow. Um, so you can search the internet, the internet without being seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, there is a study done by, I think it was Affinity Technology Partners, I think is the one. And they said like 70% of teens are actually hiding online content from their parents. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that, that doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, we had no. stuff from our parents, but like I said, it was, I mean, you had to go out and look for that stuff to hide from your parents. Right. Yeah. I mean, when I was 16, I, I think I had a couple of Playboys under my bedroom mattress, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly. like today where, and I, I do everything I can with my kids' phones. They have, um, they, I have the Google family app where they ha- I have to approve anything that they, they put on their phone. But even yeah. even with that, like I can't really see their uh, search history and stuff like that unless I take their phones from them and mm. look at it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's just, I mean, it's so accessible. Even, even putting the restrictions on for kids, it's still so overly re- um, sick. Yeah. accessible. Sorry. I lost my train of thought. So yeah, it's, it's hard as a parent to, to like guard against stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Especially because you can't guard what your children are doing outside the home either. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So if their friends are bringing it in, then, you know, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Can't prevent that. So I, I, it's just really interesting to me that, um, like we were saying, um, nobody thinks of any of this when you talk about, like you're seeing, like I said in the intro, you're seeing this hashtag save the children and child trafficking and stuff going around. Nobody's looking at like, oh, the next door neighbor kid might be being trafficked on on Instagram or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're all thinking of these far away, um, like shock value stories in the news. Or like you said, that white van that drives around the neighborhood. Right. They, and, yeah. And, Nobody realizes, hey, um, you could probably walk down your block and a few of the houses might have something going on in it that that you would never would really put into perspective as being a form of, of child trafficking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I um, I've, I see it now that I know, you know, I think one thing is you don't know what you don't know. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why education is so important. And it can get frustrating when I go on Facebook and I see all this stuff about the elite pedophile, pedophile rings, which is happening. We know that's mm-hmm. happening, right? Right. But let's let's focus on what we can see and prevent. And that's going to be a little bit tougher for us, right? But right, yeah. the girl next door that's being trafficked, you know, um, you know, ask the questions. You know, if you see a girl who's all of a sudden, you know, she's starting you know you know mom and dad can't afford for her to get her nails done and she's getting these newer purses or jewelry or whatever these you know gifts you know ask those questions like what's going on maybe tattoos i mean that's a Mm -hmm. big thing is you know traffickers often brand their girls um so unexplained tattoos is one um maybe it's somebody who's you know up until you know maybe a month or so ago they had good grades and they were doing well in school and now all of a sudden they're being withdrawn and um, they're late and their grades are dropping. That doesn't mean they're being trafficked, right? Mm-hmm. But that's that that's a reason why you should ask questions. Maybe they yeah, have right. new friends. You know, gangs, um, gangs are turning to drugs. I'm uh, not drugs. They're turning to prostitution, mm-hmm. to trafficking. Because number one, like I said before, it's it's easier, right? You can't you can sell a bag of weed one time, but so they gangs are often like to get jumped in the gangs. The girls often have to sleep with all the gang members, right? They make them do that. Right. Um, or they're trafficking the girls. Um, so gang involvement, if someone, you know, is being involved in gangs, you know, drug use, you know, unfortunately, so many people, they'll look at the girl and say, oh, she's just a drug user or she's just a prostitute. Mm-hmm. Well, how many people or boy, how many people at five years old said, I want to be a drug, I want to be a drug addict, or I want to be a prostitute, nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, ask the questions. I mean, one thing that we see so often with a lot of our girls is, you know, they develop this addiction during the trafficking or prior to maybe, and then they have their, their dealer and their dealer says, Hey, if you want this bag, then you need to do X, Y, Z. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's trafficking. So, and I, I think that goes back to one thing you have to prove trafficking. You have, there's the action, the means and the purpose. And the action can be recruiting, harboring, transporting, providing, obtaining, um, solicit- soliciting, those different types of things. But then one thing you have to prove one of three things for the means, and that's either force, fraud or coercion. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about the guy who is the dealer and he's telling the girl, well, hey, if, if you want your heroin fixed, then you need to do this. Mm-hmm. Well, what is that? Right. That's coercion. Well, then how do you um, how do you prove his word versus her word? Like, well, he, he could say, look, I'm her dealer and um, we've been hooking up. I mean, how, how do you turn around and prove that? Um, he was using that to coerce her to get trafficking charges on him. I mean, that that's gotta be yeah. pretty difficult thing to, um, to it's prove. Extremely. Yeah. So it's very difficult. In fact, Dan, um, O'Brien, who I'll, I'll mess up his pedigree, but he was a, one of the board members of the national, the center for sexual, sexual exploitation of children said that it is, um, a hundred times more likely that a man will be struck by lightning than convicted of trafficking. Wow. That's, that's hard to hear. That's horrible. Well, and in the case of like, uh, a drug addict, I mean, how many times do you hear, well, their word isn't really that valid because they're just a junkie. So, um, you get, get some 
quote unquote junkie that's accusing a guy, then um, her uh, witness, like her telling her side of the story, um, a lot of jurors or a lot of um, uh, investigators are are going to look at the fact that she's a drug addict and and kind of put that kind of make her statement a little less um, important or a little less uh, believable because of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that happens a lot. And so I think that's another area that um, education and we're seeing that paradigm shift within law enforcement too, where they're not, not, well, they're still going after the girls, but they're starting to look behind like, okay, so what's really going on here? Right. Um, they're getting arrested for drugs, you know, they're saying this, you know, or they're being arrested for prostitution. Let's look into this. In fact, here in North Carolina, there's a big case. I can't say anything because, well, he's already took a plea, but it hasn't hit the news yet. Mm -hmm. Um, This is here in Jacksonville. The guy, we've got seven or eight girls that he um, is being charged, is charged and has now taken a plea for um, of trafficking these girls. He's he's been in jail for drugs Mm -hmm. and then they were able to, to go into these girls that were, you know, and, and get enough evidence, which like we were talking, it's very mm-hmm. hard to do. Right. Um, yeah. This guy is going away for his plea was 40 years. Wow. He pled down. So um, Tracy, do you see, um, because, you know, trafficking, like you said, it's taken a, a recent uptick. So mm-hmm. do you see um, penalties getting more severe or are they still pretty light? Um, They're I mean, still light. They're, okay. they're really okay. like, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I think there was a case, um, not too long ago, but I saw the guy, um, gosh, I wish I could remember what it was. I think he got six years and he was trafficking and exploiting and sexually abusing child, young children. Wow. And, and he got, got six, six years. years. I mean, really oh. six yeah. years. Yeah, that's, I mean, considering, you know, these people's lives are destroyed, you know, mm-hmm. and this person's getting six years. It's just um, really frustrating. And another thing, like you were saying, they're looking more at, like, because they were arresting the women, the prostitutes, and now they're looking more deeper, like trying to maybe get the pimps or what have you. Um, is it, are they still busting a lot of the prostitutes? Because that, that to me is like a, like a drug bust. Um, it's kind of a, um, like you're not helping the individual by arresting them. Like, obviously right. as we've been talking for the last, um, 45 minutes that she has gone through so much, like working up to this point to where she's now working on the streets and now you're mm-hmm. just going to throw her in jail. She loses out on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, probably loses an apartment that she was living in or, or what have you while she's in jail. Um, are you still seeing that or are they shifting are. more? Yeah, we are. We do see more of a shift, which is good, but we do still see it, unfortunately. And recently, what something we've seen around here is the traffickers will just watch the new the uh, paper to see these girls that are getting arrested for solicitation and then going and bailing them out, and then they're indebted to them. Oh, wow. Um, so, so they're is, just that far deeper because they got arrested. Right. I will say this though that. In many cases, the girls that I've worked with that got arrested, it was what saved their lives. Um, right. You know, a lot of these girls, especially if drugs are involved, their um, mortality rates are are low, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of being in the life, there's a lot of girls that might be in the life for a long time, um, but 
with a drug, you know, if, if, it, if a trafficker doesn't end up killing them or, a, you know, a buyer or, and I, I don't want to just say a buyer cause that just sounds so normalized. Right. Right. Um, but a, you know, somebody who is, you know, um, you know, like, well, that's one thing, like saying buyer, saying John, it kind of normalizes that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really not really nice to say that. Right. But so what, what mm-hmm. would you use instead of that? Um, a process, a purchaser of commercial sex acts, a commercial mm-hmm. sex buyer, a perpetrator. Those are some words that you could use instead. Okay. Um, now in the life, the girls will say like the John, their trick, their date, right. you know, curb crawling, things like that. Mm-hmm. For them, that's okay to say that. Right. But for us, we don't want to normalize that. No. Right. Right. And so, and that's another thing is like, sometimes our vocabulary kind of normalizes these things, but yeah, you could just mm-hmm. say. A prostituter or a purchaser of commercial sex acts, so, you know, mm-hmm. commercial sex buyer, a perpetrator. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times uh, on the flip side, our, our language um, puts down the the uh, person who's being trafficked. Like, like for example, the word hooker or something like that. Um, right. It's, it's right. like shaming that person, even though who knows what, what led them to that point. Yet we're, we're sugarcoating the word that we we call the, uh, the purchaser or all these other words that you said. Yeah. Well, and that's like, sometimes people will say sex worker, you know, Mm -hmm. cause there's this whole big thing right now to legalize or decriminalize. I was going to ask you about that because that seems to be like the liberty. Can we keep talking? Cause I'd love to talk about that. Oh yeah, (laughs) absolutely. absolutely. We have all night. So (laughs) yeah, uh, keep going. As long as you want to talk, we can talk. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's, I'll finish the one thing and then we'll go skip to that. So, you know, some people call them, you know, she's uh, sex workers, commercial sex work. These are type of words are being used. Um, Adult services provider, um, prostitute, child prostitute. Okay. I'm sorry, but there's no such thing as a child prostitute. No. Right. Right? That's like saying, that's like saying a child entrepreneur. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, prostituted persons, a prostituted woman or child, things like that, prostituted, not a prostitute. They're being prostituted, right? Mm-hmm. There's a difference between prostitute and being prostituted. Right, right. Um, and sex industry survivor, is that's a better terminology to use. Okay. But talking about the decriminalization of the commercial sex industry, um, that is an area that I just it just floors me that people actually think that that is something that's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no independent studies that actually show that normalizing that um, or legalizing it makes it any safer. Right. There's plenty, however, that demonstrate um, the increase in trafficking in these different countries where that has happened. Um, so, uh, you know, that to me just drives me up the wall. In fact, in Germany, so we've, we've actually been to Germany. Um, we were there this past September. We did some work over there and did some training. And in Germany, where prostitution and brothels have been legal since 2002, mm-hmm. there's been over, and, and this is estimations, but over a million men buy sex each day. Wow. Oh. Well, yeah. if you, just because you make something um, legal, yeah, you might, you might, um, it might help some people like the, I, I, I don't know, but, um, it doesn't, 
it doesn't cancel out the fact that people are going to take advantage of young people or take advantage right. of right. the vulnerable. Like just because it's legal right. doesn't doesn't negate that in any way. There's right. still going to be vulnerable people out there that are going to get yeah. sucked up into this. Mm-hmm. And if you think about this, okay, so we make something legal. Okay, I don't drink. This is a lie, but let's just say I don't drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. Alcohol is illegal. I don't drink it. Now mm-hmm. alcohol is legal. I might start drinking it because it's now legal, right. right? So maybe men who don't buy sex when it's illegal, they become new clients. Mm-hmm. That makes um, sense. Well, look in the states yeah. where marijuana is legalized, like in Illinois just recently, like how many people have taken that up, whether you agree with it or not, just because now it's legal. And so, yeah, I I completely understand what you're saying there. That's just going to open the door to people that wouldn't have otherwise, maybe for the fear of getting caught or maybe Mm -hmm. um, because they just like to stick to um, not getting arrested or um, doing only legal things. Well, now once it becomes legal, it opens up to, like you were saying before, um, it normalizes it. It makes it more of a, a thing that's just like acceptable, like, Oh, maybe I can do this now. Right. Yep, exactly. And the thing, there was a study and I don't know who did it, but it was, it was in 2018. It was 8,000 men. Um, out of those 8,000 men, there was over 20%. They said that these were people who had never bought sex before that they would buy sex if it was decriminalized Mm -hmm. or legalized. So that's, you know, to me, that just shows that, okay, there's a study. It's just like we said, marijuana, you know, it's legal. It's, it's no longer has that stigma. So people are going to do it. And then the the problem with this is, is that to satisfy the demand, um, you're always going to have to get these vulnerable people, right? Right. Because there's not going to be enough women that are willing to be exploited. Right. So um, in fact, in Germany, after it was legalized, sex trafficking cases increased 70%. Oh, wow. Crap. Yeah. So um, I can get on board with, though, because I, I kind of brought it up earlier, I can get on board with not arresting a prostitute. The same with not throwing a, a drug abuser in jail. Like, I, I don't see how that helps people. Treatment w- over punishment. Right, exactly. We have a, we have a lot of um, libertarian people that kind of, follow us and 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 they're the ones that usually push like legalize all all drugs and legalize possibly legal legalize um prostitution which i'm not saying all libertarians say these things but i have heard it from a lot of libertarians and so mm-hmm. um their big thing is um don't throw people in jail for victimless crimes and i understand that and i understand and i can get on board with not throwing a prostitute in jail because that's not helping her i'd rather see right things like what your organization is doing, like giving them treatment and giving them like shelter and, and things like that versus seeing them get thrown in jail. And then as you mentioned, um, somebody pays their bail and then they're just further down the hole than they were before they went to jail. Right. And, you know, we, we talk about victimless crimes, which I, this is maybe a little off subject and we don't need to go down this rabbit hole, but um, I think I think of in that pornography, right? Mm-hmm. And and I we don't have the time to go through this, but I can give you several several examples of where you it'll 
I'll read you something and you can tell me, okay, this sounds like, is this either a porn scene or human trafficking? And while it sounds like a porn scene, it's actually trafficking. What happens a lot is, you know, these girls are going to do what they, you know, they're agreeing to do, you know, whatever. One girl, one guy, maybe one girl, two, you know, maybe one girl, two guys. They're agreeing to, to come and do this scene. And then when they get there, it's several men and it's rape and they truly are being raped because, you know, the end user doesn't realize this. They think that this is just a, a set, right? Like a right. porn set. This is all fake. Right. But these, in order to make it look real, it has to be real. Mm-hmm. And this is what's happening. And this has been happening for years and years and years. And I, I can give you guys several examples of that, but I know we mm. don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but right. so that's another thing where we say it's victimless. Like I'm watching porn and it's not hurting anybody else, but just the fact that we're buying it is also raising the demand for more trafficking right. mm-hmm. on the porn sets too. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so- you hear the jokes about porn, like, Oh, this porn star starred in like 450 uh, videos this year. And I mean, it's jokes going around, but it's probably not far off base. And like you're saying, the demand is there. And um, for the demand to be there, you need a product. And I hate to call them a product, but that's what they're being treated as is a, is a product. So, um, so yeah, where do you keep coming up with? Because like you said, not too many self-respecting women would voluntarily do a lot of this stuff, whether it be prostituting themselves or, or porn and things like this. So they have to keep, meeting their the demands that that are coming in and um i don't know what the numbers are um if i assume porn consumption is going up i can't imagine it's like taking a dip or anything anytime soon no well it's definitely gone up recently right um especially with lockdowns yeah so you know just to talk a little bit about porn you know well as we know porn it can it's addictive right um, they create new neuropathways in our brain. And so the more you use it, then the stronger those neuroconnections become and the more difficult it is to stop. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't stop, obviously, and you can rebuild right. those pathways. Um, but it, it, you know, it does become more difficult to stop. And because of that, and I don't know, okay, this, the, my numbers are coming from two years ago, my research, but every day there were 68 million porn searches. Holy crap. Um, yeah. And it, to put it kind of in perspective, they get more visits each month than Netflix, Twitter, and Amazon combined. Wow. I mean, I was on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That um, is that's insane numbers. That Again, those are numbers that just like you can't even comprehend until you put them into perspective with something that people would understand. Like everybody knows Netflix and Amazon gets ridiculous amounts of views especially right now but and the sad thing is that teen porn is actually the highest searched genre teen Mm. porn teen that's insane like teenagers yeah and 30 percent of all data that's actually transferred across the internet is actually porn Mm. wow and um uh, there every day there are over 116,000 daily requests for child porn wow that is that here in the U.S. or is that um, worldwide? The U.S. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. So, so like how, like how did how is this not cracked down on? Like especially the child porn. I I 
can understand them keeping, I guess, the adult porn up, but clearly people are for, for you to have these kind of numbers that these searches are going out. Like, um, people always talk about how the government is watching everything we do and, um, they're censoring this and they're censoring that. How has child porn not been censored by now? How are they getting around it? I guess. Freedom of rights. I don't know. I mean, child porn is wrong and they're doing it, but pornography, you, you can't censor that. And, um, I think that they're they're catching a lot of people. We are seeing it. We just we're not seeing enough, right? And I think right. it's lack of resources, lack of funding. Maybe it's an unwillingness to put some funding in there. Right. Um, you know, people are so focused on you know decriminalizing and you know making the commercial sex industry legal, legalizing that. You know, maybe they're focusing on that. And I don't know. I don't yeah. know the answer to that. I just know that it is a, it's a, an issue. It's a systemic issue that we have. Well, then um, we see them trying to, we see the normalization of like pedophilia and stuff. It it just seems to be mm-hmm. becoming like more and more mainstream. And I just saw a an op-ed, I think it was the New York Times that was saying pedophilia was a, a mental condition, not a, not, you, right. you know, it, it kind of yeah. just, you just see the normalization of it. Like, oh no, this is, this is fine, which I understand it possibly, it probably is a mental condition. Obviously, um, but the fact right. that that we're trying to normalize it and say, "Oh no, this is a this is just um, another human with another uh, disease," um, so it's, you know, don't look down on this person for the, these thoughts that they right. have. Yeah, yeah, and that's I mean that's God, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, and another thing, and I wish I could remember what they're calling it, but there is a group of that's out there now trying to say that, you know, adult on child, they're calling it, it's not LGBTQ community that's doing this, but they're trying to say that that community is accepting this, which they're not, mm-hmm. but they're trying to say that. They're trying, um, trying just, to parallel themselves with, well. Yeah. It's like, it, no, you, you know, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And just like the normalization, like just seeing it more is just making it more of like right now we're, I think the majority of the people would see something, an article like that and be like, oh, that's disgusting. But the more and more that it, it, it crosses your path on Facebook, it's going to get to the point where it's just right. like, oh, there's another no, article. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it it's gross to me. And um, that's definitely uh, the line right there. Like, um, if, you, if you agree with, like, watching porn or if you agree with the strip clubs, even though, um, yeah. as you were saying, like, all this stuff is going on there. If if you can some for some reason still justify that, the line stops at the kids, in my opinion. There's no justification. There's no normalizing. Yeah. It, it, it's just wrong. Mm. There's no way around that. No. Yeah. Um, I I don't know how much time you got left. I think we're probably right about an hour now. Um. So right. if if you're if you're pushing on time, we can wrap this up. If not, we can we can get into a little more stuff. I, I'm, I've got a couple more minutes if you'd like, so okay. we're good right now. Yeah. Got a couple questions for you still. <laughs> okay. Um, so first of all, um, so it says truth, justice international. So mm-hmm. is your, um, your international mission, is that primarily, um, like teaching and educating? Um, yeah. So, yeah. So we've done some educating and stuff, 
um, in Germany and Greece. We've done some work in the brothels in Greece. Um, okay. We also partner with other organizations throughout the world. So we have one of the things that we do is our, our survivors make a this little pearl bracelet and it just has one pearl on it. But we use that bracelet as a, a tool, ministry tool, basically just uh, to put it on somebody's wrist, a girl's wrist or a woman's wrist, and just tell them that they're loved and that they're hmm. cherished and valued. And those bracelets we have in over 35 different countries, we give them to other ministries that do work you know, with, with those populations of people throughout the world. That's Um, your part of your Pearl ministry that you have as one of your initiatives. It is. Yeah. Um, And then I can tell you that even with language barriers, when you go into a brothel and you have to walk through, um, you know, we walk through the area where all the guys are sitting and waiting And, and in Greece, again, it's legalized there too, but the girls there are being trafficked and, Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're supposed to be 18 or over. I can tell you several of those girls that I met were not 18 years old. Really? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm but, sure they don't regulate that too closely either. No, not at all. But when you put that bracelet on their wrist and there's a translator there who will translate for you because we, ha- we go out with another organization. But um, And you just you could just look at the girl and put it on her wrist and give them a hug. And they just, you know, it's like tears. It's the... Mm. The mm-hmm. fact that somebody is caring about them and loving them and no matter if they're sitting there, they're, you know, they're not wearing anything, right. They might have something very thin on, or maybe it's just bottoms on, mm-hmm. um, but you're there and you're just giving them gifts and you're, you know, telling them they're valuable. It's probably just words such a beautiful thing. Probably yeah. words they've never heard before, or right. at least not for a very long time mm-hmm. for somebody to say that to them. Yeah. Do they try to run yeah. you out of the brothels? Um, so there was one. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, you probably don't make a lot of friends there. No, but the, actually the organization that we partner with when we go out there, they have the, the, they've already built the relationships with most of them. So they go in there periodically and bring them gifts. And so that's where we go. Um, but we've been in one in particular where they were talk, I guess, whoever, wherever the mean person was, he was in another, probably on another level, and you could hear him telling the people, "Get them out of here! Get them out of here right now!" So mm-hmm. um, it's it's different, and it's kind of weird because in in Greece, you know, we used to say red light district, right? Red lights, but they have mm-hmm. these little back alleys, and it's all it's white lights. So there's these white lights outside these doors, mm-hmm. and um, then you see, I mean, it's incredible how many men just are walking in just constantly. Just stumbling into these places, and they're—I mean—they're door after door. Um, do it's you, huge. Do you guys have? Do you have like, like protection? Do you have backup? I mean, or do you? Just... Um, yeah, the Lord. <laughs> well, that, that works. That's a good one. Do you, you, do you take like some big strong guys with you just in case? Yeah, there's. Well, I wouldn't say big strong guy, but, but there is a man that comes out with us. That's good. <laughs> So one thing I've noticed that um, you keep saying, and then also um, Sandy, um, I want to get her on the show at some point because she has a really good uh, story too. But what she says the exact same thing is um, you guys call them uh, trafficking survivors. You don't use the word victim, it doesn't seem like. And, right. and I, no. I assume that's intentional. Yeah, I mean, victim, 
I, the word victim is so labeling. Mm -hmm. um, we're not victims, right? We're right. survivors. They're mm -hmm. survivors. Um, we have, you know, at one point they may, may have been victimized. Right. But they're not victims. They're not living mm -hmm. in that victimization. They are mm -hmm. survivors. Yeah, um, that's kind of what I was taking out of it was to label somebody a victim would mean that that's kind of like right. a label that they have the rest of their life. Yeah, that, you're putting that in their head that they're right. a victim. And, um, oh, they're so-and-so, she's a, she's a victim. And, you know, that's just kind of like a badge that you put on a person. When you, when you say a survivor, it's like saying a cancer survivor. That's more of like a, a celebra celebratory thing versus like a, a downgrade label. And then there's people who don't even want to be labeled as a survivor, right? Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Just I'm, just, you know, I am Jane Doe, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just making up names, obviously. Right. Right. But, you know, I think it goes both ways, but most definitely survivor, not victim. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I like that because um, it's all about moving forward for these people and, mm -hmm. um, even the people that don't want to be called a survivor, I completely understand that. It's like, I, I don't want to attach myself to that. I don't want to be known as that. I want to be known as what I, what's ahead of me instead of behind. Right. Um, That's exactly it. I mean, so, you know, one of the things with, um, with human trafficking and, and what consists of, you know, human trafficking survivor, even mm -hmm. child pornography is considered human trafficking. Um, and like what I experienced as a child and that's, we're not getting into that, but that's technically I am a, not technically, I am a survivor. Mm -hmm. I don't ever talk about that. I don't go down that road because what I do now, it's not about me or what I've been through. It's about helping others. Right. And so I know other women like myself that their focus is not on what they've experienced, but it's on, Hey, let's do this. This is what mm -hmm. we're doing now. Mm -hmm. um, and so you have to be um, cognizant of each person. Mm -hmm. And when, even when you're talking to a survivor that might, you know, associate as being a survivor, really lift her up and affirm her and what she's doing now and the work that she's doing now. And she's an advocate, right? Survivor mm -hmm. advocate is something that we say often. Um, because we don't want to do anything that could be triggering or cause them to feel like they're, right. that that, yeah, they're a survivor, but that's, they, they're not a victim, they're a survivor, but they're still stuck in that, which that's not necessarily the case. There's so mm. much more to what mm. they're doing, right? Yeah, no, that's a great way to look at it. Definitely. They're a mother, they're a daughter, they're a sister, they're a wife, right? Mm. Um, there's a lot more to it, so. So, um, probably start to wrap this up because I, I'm assuming you have things to do and um, we always go over our time on our podcast anyway. <laughs> so, but I, I did have, um, one more thing. Um, like what, what should the listeners do? Like, uh, like what can we do? Um, obviously, uh, your organization needs a, like finances. So uh, obviously there's some supporting organizations like this. How do, how do they get in touch with organizations locally or, um, like what's the next step yeah. for somebody? Cause like I said, we're, you're here as the expert to educate us on things we don't know. Mm -hmm. So like, what's our next step after we hang up this call with yeah. you? 
So that's a great question. And what I would encourage you to do is maybe you could go on the Polaris Project website and find out who is in your state. So if you might have people, not just in Iowa, but you know, North Carolina and Texas or wherever. Mm -hmm. And so wherever your listeners are, I would encourage them to go on the Polaris Project website. When you're on there, you can go to each state and find out the different organizations that do this type of work. From there, mm -hmm. they can contact those organizations and find out if there are volunteer opportunities, if they can bring an awareness event to their community group or church or school. Um, but education, 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 number one, just get educated and share what you know, right? I can't mm -hmm. tell you how many people have come up and said, hey, because of we came to this human trafficking one one class, we saw XYZ, we saw this girl doing this and we were able to call the police and something happened. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, going to, I think because your listeners may be spread across, I would mm -hmm. say go to the Polaris project and go to your state and then find out the organizations that are doing the work, look them up and see, get, get involved, whether it's monetary, whether it's volunteering. I mean, as a nonprofit, you know, they say America runs on Duncan, which I kind mm -hmm. of do, but I always <laughs> say we run on volunteers. <laughs> right. So, and then protect your children. Um, have conversations with your children at a young age. Um, it's so important. We just have to have those age appropriate conversations because five years old is not too young. I talked to kids four, five, six, um, and then get the safeguards like Disney circle. Like you were talking about, I did the Google um, covenant eyes, net nanny, canine web protection. All of these things offer different ways to protect your family. It's not going to, it's not as, um, it's not a sure thing. There's still going to be ways that they're going to be seeing things that they shouldn't see, but at least it's a help, right? I right. think one thing I always think about that story, when people get overwhelmed and they think, how can I help? What can I do? Like, it's so big. It's so vast. I can't do, I'm just one little person. I can't do anything. And I think about the story of the man who was walking on the beach. And I'm sure you've heard this with all the starfish mm -hmm. and he kept randomly picking them up and throwing them back into the water. And somebody came up and said, hey, you know, what are you doing that for? There's so many, you can't save them all. You can't really make a difference. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. You're only saving one at a time. He's like, well, you know what? It matters to this one. And right. he threw one back and matters to this one. Everything, and each one of us can have an impact on somebody else. So it just takes, you know, together we make a difference. So get educated look at um, the different ways you can protect your families, go on to the Polaris Project, report, report, report. Um, if you see something, that's a big, this is one big thing I do want to say. If you see something that you think might be a human trafficking situation, it you don't have to know that it is, just report it anyway if you suspect mm -hmm. it because you might be reporting something in one city and somebody else might report it in another city and it's the same car and then they can tie them together. Um, and that number, just so that you guys know, is 888-373-7888. Um, and that's the National Human Trafficking Resource Center hotline, which is part of the Polaris Project. And you can also text "Be Free." And I'll include all this in the show notes. So um, if you all don't have something, the people listening don't have something, write this down. It'll be in the show notes. You can go check that out. Um, afterwards or, or while you're listening. So um, also I want to include in the show notes a way to uh, get in touch with uh, your organization and support your organization. Um, is there uh, a website they can go to to 
maybe support you financially or or find out how they can help out or how, how do you want to plug your organization that would be great thank you yeah we mm-hmm. are um www.truejustice.global mm-hmm. and you can call our jacksonville number or uh, newburn number and um, give us a call we'd love to help if there's anything we can do to provide education awareness we'd love to do that too no this has been like for me this has been like really educational mm-hmm. and this is exactly what i wanted and i, I do suspect that I'll get people that are going to see maybe a title of us talking about uh, human trafficking or child trafficking. And this isn't going to be what they're looking for because they're looking for that, sh- that shock factor or that big story or, or like you were saying, the, yeah. the, the taken story, but this is exactly what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it might to some people, I'm not saying this myself, but to some people, maybe this sounds like a little bit boring compared to like some of those big stories or like the Jeffrey Epstein stuff. But this is the stuff that, that, as you were saying, we can make a difference personally right. and um, whether yeah. or not we're, we're, we're looking and recognizing this stuff or if we're supporting local organizations that are, I mean, that's, that's like depending on a politician to save your, like completely change your life when, when you should be changing your life for yourself. Um, it's the same that's thing good. depending on like, like this whole elite sex trafficking ring to come down and expecting all sex trafficking to go away. That's just not what's going to happen. So this is stuff that we, this is stuff that we can take responsibility for and, and we can actually help out with. Yep. Being vigilant yeah, in our absolutely. neighborhood, in our community. Well, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate Craig and Bill, you guys having me on here and um, well, I will also send you that video. Yeah, definitely. We'll include it at the end of, um, after this interview, um, on the actual okay. episode, this episode's going to release next Wednesday. So, um, I'll send you a link to it when, when I get it up. Um, thanks again, Tracy. I, I'm really glad that you took time out of your schedule. I know you're pretty busy with everything you have going on. Um, and, uh, we'd love to get you back on at some point. Um, and maybe here's, here's some more stuff. I feel like, uh, we are just kind of hitting a lot of different things yeah. at once. And there's a lot to dig into on any one of these topics. Yeah, most definitely. And I'm willing to come back anytime. So thank you guys so much for yeah. bringing a light to this. I, I really appreciate that because it's people like you that make a difference. Well, um, well, Tracy, I, you know, thank you for fighting the good fight. Um, Cause I do feel like this is the most important like battleground going on right now mm-hmm. is the fight for the innocent. And um, yeah. I, I really appreciate that. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely lift you and your organization up in prayer. Yep, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. That's the number one thing you could do for us. <laughs> Well, we won't take up any more of your time. We'll let you go. But again, thanks for coming on um, and just stay in contact with us and and um, let us know anything that you you could you need help with or you need prayer with or anything like that. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a blessed night, guys. Yep. You too. You too. All right. Okay. Bye. bye.